0: Amen. Amen. I, I want to encourage you. We, we have opportunities for you to follow along, to read along, to study and to be a part of what we do called the Daily Dig. And daily digging into the Word of God and following along one chapter at a time. One, just one chapter at a time that you can go through. I certainly want to encourage you to go through more than just that. But to go through one chapter at a time. And you can follow us on Facebook. You, you can follow the Instagram. Go to the Daily Dig and it'll just pop up every morning for you. Show you the scripture, the chapter that we're reading through. And you can follow along and make comments and stay accountable to that. But we have to dig into the Word of God. The Word of God is the only thing that has the power to help, the only thing that can change our heart, the only thing that can do what only God can do, and it's through His Word. He's given us His Word as Himself. And listen, I know we all, you know, I I just, I want the results of the Word of God, but you can't, listen, you, you can't get the Word of God in you until you get into the Word of God. And so we need to be digging into that to find out who he is and and what he has for us. Because again, as we dig into the word, you know, like I said here, are you okay today if God wants to use his word to crush something in you? Are you okay if God wants to do something through his word today to break something in you? amen craig <laughs> I, I you know again i mean that's what the word of god desires to do and one of the things that, that we've been doing is going through a systematic study of going through the word of god a couple of reasons i like to do that I, for one i like to do that because if you don't like what's being said you really can't get mad at me you got to get mad at what god has said yeah. Okay, and so some of you today, you're going to have to walk out dealing with the fact, am I mad at what pastor said or am I mad at what the word of God said? Help us, Lord. The word of God will break you. Because yes. it needs to be broken. Yes. Amen. Are you willing to let God speak to your heart? We have to be open. What if God wants to confront you in something today? Does he have the right to do that? We have to be willing to open our hearts, to open our ears, to open our eyes, to hear what God has to say. And what is it that he wants to speak to our heart? Not come in and be contentious, not come in and just be, you know, I, I, I know it all. I've got it all put, uh, set aside. I know what's going on. Then you should be up here. God wants to teach us. Yes, he does. And so we open our hearts to say, yes, Lord. I'll tell you what we have planned, what I have planned. and I, I, I'll, This is what I have planned. And God oftentimes has different plans. So I am not locking myself into anything. I am laying that out. What, what I have a plan on doing is here in, in February, finishing up Luke chapter six with us, going through that. And one of the things that you're gonna find is that as we, and I love this about this. And, and, and again, in, in Luke chapter six, I believe that Luke chapter six is probably one of, if not the most important chapter in Scripture this is where Jesus is starting to uh, really, I mean, this is where he got the Sermon on the Mount. This is the first sermon that Jesus really begins to preach where crowds are being drawn to him, where before he was going about to different synagogues in all these little towns and he was preaching and they were coming and the people were packing out these little synagogues, but those synagogues were, you know, 20, 30, maybe 40 people and, and that was it. But here now for the first time, Jesus is drawing these multitudes that are coming to him and they want to hear what Jesus has to teach. And so all these people are coming. And what, what we'll find as we're going through this is that, you know, the word of God is, the, the, word, the, the different books that are in scripture don't go like this. They go like this. Yeah. And you'll find the overlap in so much of this. So uh, we're going to go into a number of different places here. My plan is in March to begin going through. I want to take a, I'm going to take a break from Luke, and what I want to do is I want to go into Revelation and go through the letters that, that, that were written that God gave to the churches, and go through those. Hopefully, in a in a little different way. I mean, you can again, you can go to Mitch's class and get the deep eschatology of all of those things. If you're, I, I want to you know again try to go, come at it in a in a little maybe a different way. I don't know. I haven't been in this class. So I'm hoping that uh, what we'll find is this wonderful overlap of information and the opportunity for God to begin to transform our hearts, our lives, the things that we would do and be, again, more centered in what God has for us. So we're in Luke chapter six. And again, I, I... want to dig into this this is like amazing to me how god is is comparing contrasting these kingdoms for the first time for the first time ever in history up in the time of the history of the world for the first time somebody from heaven has come to earth and somebody from heaven is on earth describing what heaven is like And he's sharing with us these wonderful uh, uh, ethics of his kingdom. He's talking about these contrasting kingdoms of of his world, the world of uh, the kingdom of God, and this world. And he's speaking from the kingdom of God, he's speaking into the kingdom of this world. And so he's talking about all of these kingdom ethics and he's speaking them into this cultural world. And guess what? It's blowing people's minds. It's causing the religious people to have aneurysms. They're just, uh, all just, you know, in a bunch. And they don't know what to do in the way in which Jesus is expressing these kingdom principles. It's like, And so they were conflicting. The kingdom principles were conflicting with the worldly principles. And just as they did in that day, they still do today. I know that there's been a number of you a number of people in conflict over some of the things that were going on. I had somebody in the after right after first service say, you know, man, I never knew how much I struggled with forgiveness until I started really trying to forgive. And they said, you know, it's not so bad when people come and say they're sorry. But man, I never realized how hard and how much I struggled when people didn't come say they were sorry. And, you know, again, that's just one of those things that we we do. We need to wrestle with the word. You're going to have to wrestle with what we're going to talk about today because God is going to express some kingdom principles into this cultural world. And therefore, as those living in this cultural world, it's going to conflict with some of the things we think or some of the things we want to think. So I pray that you'll open up your heart to these principles that God wants to have because what Jesus then goes on to share with us is that whichever kingdom, his kingdom or, or this kingdom here on the earth, whichever kingdom that you find your identity is the kingdom that will affect your lifestyle. You will live in such a way that it will reflect which kingdom your roots go into. So let me just read through these scriptures. I'm not gonna go into them. If you, uh, again, have missed the last few weeks or any of them, I pray that you'll go back and take a look at some of these principles. Again, not an exhaustive study, but certainly something that we can all grow from. So let's look at this. Reading, uh, you know what? Let's just bow our hearts first before we do, and, and let's pray. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, oh, in the beautiful, wonderful name of Jesus, Lord, we come to you today and we thank you for the grace and mercy that you have for each and every one of us. Lord God, you have a message of mercy, a message filled with grace for each one, even though it may sting, It's something, Lord God, that you've sent for us, not to do to us. And I pray today that we would open our hearts and minds to you and to what you have to say, that we would see, Lord God, your word rightly divided in our lives, that we could receive, Lord God, the true intent of your word and your will into ours and help us today be drawn closer and closer to you. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's look at this. It's Starting in verse 37, it says this. It says, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So the first principle that we talked about a few weeks back was that forgiven people must forgive. Amen. Verse 38, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Principle number two was that getters should be givers. Okay, we talked about that, and I'm not gonna go back through and explain myself in all of those things, but he's telling us that getters should be givers. Verse 39, he also told them a parable. So this is a story that Jesus is giving to illustrate the point that he will make in the next verse. He says, can a blind man lead a blind man? Of course he can, We just know that it's not going to go well for long. Eventually, will they not both fall into a pit? And he's using this illustration to make this point here. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, "Brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye. Uh, uh, take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. So in this, he's telling us that leaders should lead themselves. The first thing that we need to do is we need to learn how to lead ourselves, to take care of the log that's in our own eye. And the reason he wants us to do that is not because there aren't specks that need to be taken care of, because we all have specks in our eye. There's all, all of us have things in our life that need to be helped, need people around us to help us with. And we need people that will come and will help us by speaking truth into our lives. We need that. But we don't need people with a log in their own eye trying to come and help us with the speck in ours. So he's saying, first things first, you need to take care of the log that is in your own eye. And and again, looking at this thing from God's perspective, not ours. Because in our perspective, many of us think, well, that's not a log in my eye. It's just a beautiful accessory. Leaders need to lead themselves. So if God forgives you, if you've been forgiven, you have to forgive others. If you've been given, you need to be giving to others. And again, don't get all bound up in what I'm talking about with just finances. That's not what I'm talking about and I went through and explained that very clearly. If you've been given whatever you've been given, you need to give to others. The third point is you need to deal with the log in your own eye. You need to deal with that. Well, I don't have a log. Well, maybe pride's your log. We, We need to look at all of that. And then point... Number four, the next thing that Jesus does is he kind of culminates things as he brings this together and he begins now to contrast something different. He begins to contrast the fruit of his kingdom with the fruit of this kingdom. And he starts to weigh this fruit out and starts to share with us about this whole thing. And he tells us that a good tree will produce good fruit. Come on, amen? Amen. A good tree, I know, you're all like, uh... I have a feeling there's another side to this. He said, a good tree will produce good fruit. A bad tree will produce bad fruit. Okay, this is biblical principle. And what Jesus is saying here, look at verse 43, is this. He says, for no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For our figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The person out of the, out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So, Jesus, right here, is confronting one of our, one of the most preciously, one of the most deeply held cultural myths. And that is this We're all good people, and sometimes we do bad things. Help us, Lord. Look. We've all seen, you know, on the news, we've all seen where somebody does something that, you know, is, is horrible, something on the news, and, you know, first thing you see, and it happens all the time, but the first thing you see is everybody starts to gather around, and people start coming onto the news and saying, oh, I, you know what, I know, they're, they're really a good person. I know they murdered a bunch of people, but they're really a good person. <laughs> Down inside, they're golden. Oh, no. We watch that, it happens all the time, and we go, oh, man, Seriously? This is a deeply held cultural myth. This is a cultural lie. And it's very, very strong. It is pervasive. It is deeply held. It is powerful in our culture. And people get confused in this a lot. And I really do believe that it, it, is a, it creates... A, uh, a detriment to the kingdom of God when, when we just begin to all think, well, you know what? Yeah, the world's got some corruption and I, I got a little bit of corruption in me. Hey, but deep down in me, you know what? There's good. There's purity down there. There's goodness in there. No, there isn't. That is blindness to our blindness. Blindness. It's exactly what this is, and oftentimes much of this blindness is a self-selected blindness. We we self-select the things that we want to be blind to, and we so we select ourselves to be blind to the depravity that is in us, the the corruption that is in us. We we listen. We we put it out of our mind, and we we cause ourselves to be blind to the fact that we have a sin nature, that we are born with the nature of sin in us, that the nature of sin is there, that you, me, we are sinners by nature. Not first and foremost, we're not sinners by choice, by action. We are sinners by nature. And that means it goes down deep into the very core of who we are, to the very depths of our life, to the very depths of our heart, to the very core of ourselves. We are sinners sinners and we all fall short and we don't like to see that that it goes down deep into the roots deep into our lives and what Jesus is saying here is you can't say good tree while it's producing bad fruit doesn't make sense oh isn't that a that is a beautiful apple tree You know what? It's a beautiful, it's a wonderful apple tree, but all it produces is hand grenades. Well, but it's a beautiful tree. It's a beautiful apple tree. It's a wonderful apple tree. But it produces hand grenades, but it's a beautiful apple tree. Just don't go near it. Just don't poke it. Just don't pick any of the fruit. Really? Because that doesn't seem like a very good apple tree to me. Oh, that's a very good person. They're just producing wickedness. But they're still a really good person. Church, that's biblically inconsistent. It's not what God's saying. And it's a deeply held myth that this is true. And we tend to perpetuate it, we, especially and specifically, honestly, we, we do it with our kids We look at our kids and we see them always. I mean, they're always that little tiny, innocent little baby. They grow up. And man, they sure are disrespectful. And they sure do lash out against authority. And they sure are rebellious in their nature. They sure do act horrible. Oh, but they're little angels in their heart. No, they're not they're evil to the core. And if we don't see that, we won't do anything about it. If we don't realize that, we'll just let them grow up being evil to the core and telling them, oh, they're just sweet little angels their whole life. We see this happen. Man, I watch people. I counsel people, girls with boyfriends. Oh, he's so nice. Yeah, he goes out and gets drunk, and yeah, he's unemployed, and guy can't find his shirt, but yeah, he hits me. And he cheated on me. But you know, deep down, he's winner, winner, chicken dinner. Oh, oh he's good in his heart. He's good down inside. You know what? He's a sweetheart kind of guy. That's that's who he is. No, he's not. He's rotten at the core. It's down inside. This is, listen, I, I'm, we're going to call it as it is. Let's face it. I mean, God calls it as it is. This is a bad guy producing bad fruit. This isn't a good guy producing bad fruit. This is a bad guy producing bad fruit. Well, pastor, but you know what? That's not very nice. And if we just loved him and cared for him, I mean, I'm missionary dating, No, you're enabling him, and you're letting him live that way. Listen, we don't, you know what we do in that situation, what she's doing? She's treating him as God, letting him do whatever he wants to do. It's an idol, and this is what Jesus says. He's telling us, listen, we don't need behavior modification. We need complete regeneration, We we don't just need to learn how to conform our behavior. And this is biblical doctrine. This is what God is telling us. These are God's kingdom principles. These are the principles of His kingdom, not of this kingdom. And and we don't always like to confront this. But look, God's not trying to raise up a group of better people, He's trying to raise up a family of new people. That's what He wants. He doesn't, he's not trying to just reform you. He's trying to make you new. He wants us to be different people. And Jesus is talking about the, the uprooting of the tree. He's talking about the roots. Why? Because that one's worthless. Ooh, ouch. Amen. It's a bad tree, bad fruit. It's bad to the roots, and it's producing nothing but bad fruit. And God wants to replant us in Christ as a whole new tree. He wants to make it everything new. We are, when we come to Christ, we become a brand new creation. We become a brand new man. We in Christ, everything is made new. When I came to Jesus Christ, he made me a new person. He gave me a new heart. He gave me a new mind. He gave me a new will. He gave me new emotions. He gave me a new appetite. He gave me a new passion. He gave me a new pleasures. He gave me new desires. He gave me new affections. He gave me new life. He made me. A new man. Amen. The old is gone, the new has come. Amen. And this is what he wants new people. He made us a new person. Oh, but people come to church, and you know what? People don't come to church. Some don't even come thinking about this, knowing about this. People come to church, and it's like, Pastor, how, how can I become a better person? I, I just want to be a better person. Well, you know what? People come to church. Wanting pop psychology, cultural improvements, give me behavior modification techniques, three steps to becoming a better person, 27 steps to a new self image. And people come to church and that's what they want. But Jesus is saying, first things first. Now, again, I'm going to say this so that we, you don't, we don't get confused with what I'm trying to share with you. Obviously, first things first. But that does not mean that life change is not good. Okay? Listen, today, if you're an alcoholic, stop drinking. If you're doing drugs, stop doing drugs. I, please, I understand the struggle. I was there. And I know that some of you are like, oh, you, you are oversimplifying that, Pastor Mark. And I, I agree. But I also would say, are you overcomplicating it, though? Because the truth is, is that I don't care what kind of program you go through or what, kind, what you do. Listen, it comes down to this. An alcoholic has to Stop drinking. And a drug addict needs to stop doing drugs. Amen. And a sex addict needs to change. Amen. You need to make some changes and do some things differently in your life. If you've got a gambling problem, stop it. Amen. Okay. If you're running yourself into debt and you're overspending, you know what? Get it under control. Make these life changes. If you're a glutton, if you're a liar, if you're a cheater, if you're an abuser, whatever it is, that behavior, you need to stop. But, First things first, please understand that that's not what God is looking for. God is not looking for changed behavior. He wants new people. He wants us new from the very core. And he uses this language on purpose. He uses the language of the heart. Listen to what he says in verse 45 again. He says the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, again, of his heart, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So he uses this language of the heart. Now, the heart, it is the sum, it is the center, it is the seat, it is the essence of who you are. It is the very center of who you are. It's what's here, it's what's going on. The Bible uses this word, and it doesn't talk about, it's not talking about a literal organ that's pumping blood. He's talking about the very essence of who you are. He's talking about the very core of who you are. It's a metaphorical center of you. And Jesus is saying that life comes out of. The heart. Life comes out of the core. Life comes out of the essence of who you are and it begins to reveal that. What you say comes out of the center of who you are. It comes out of your heart. What you do comes out of your heart. The motives in your life come out of your heart and it's all reflected. It comes out of your heart and it reveals itself by fruit. It all begins to flow from that place. And listen, we are all born into this world. We all have an old heart. Every single one of us. If you are born into this world, listen, this is one, again another one of those myths. Well, I've just always been a Christian. There's no such thing. You were born, you might have been born into a Christian family, but you were born with a heart of stone. You were born with a heart that came from your your forefather, Adam. You are a descendant of Adam, and you got a heart from Adam. And every single one of us is born into this world. As sinners, we have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, we are born with a heart. And the Bible says that heart of, of Adam that we each and every one of us have is a heart of stone. So what the Bible calls it. And that heart of stone is hard-hearted towards God. It's hard-hearted towards the people of God. It's hard-hearted towards the things of God. It's a heart that is stubborn. It's a heart that is selfish. It is a heart that is is, uh, rebellious towards God and towards authority. It is a heart that is defiant. It is a heart that is foolish. It is a heart that is dead in its sin. And that's where we all were or are. Until we come to Christ, because when we come to Jesus Christ and we accept him as the Lord and Savior of our life, it, the Bible says that he takes that old heart of stone and he takes it away and he gives us a new heart, a heart of flesh. Praise Listen to what it says in Ezekiel. This is a prophecy that Ezekiel spoke in verse 30, or chapter 36, verse 26. He says, and I will give you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Thank you, Lord. Again, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden we're perfected. It's not a heart that is perfected. It's a heart that has the ability to be perfected. It's a heart that it's not, it's, it's not the old heart. It's a brand new heart. It is a heart that by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God, by the mercies that are renewed each and every day, he has given us each one that has called upon the name of Christ and come to a born-again experience. He has given us a heart that is increasingly more and more and more and more and more and more made like Jesus That's what he does in us religion tells you you gotta do better religion tells you you just gotta try a little harder that's not what God is looking for. God's not saying try harder, do a little better. He's saying you need to be uprooted. You need to be born again. You need to be renewed. You need to be regenerated. You need to be transformed. You need to be a new you. You need to receive a new heart. Down in the very core, the heart, the root of who you are. In the essence of who you are. In church, Listen, this is where Christianity is different than every other religion. See, we try to line, align Christianity, or oftentimes people do, try to align Christianity with other religions, other cults, other followings, because we say, well, listen, Christianity teaches some of the same values as some of these other religions. And I tell you what, that's true. There are many, many of the religions that are out there, many of the cults that are out there do share some of the same values. But church, none of them provide the power to obey God. None of them. Christianity is the only religion that changes us at the very deepest level, that changes and transforms us at the very root of our life, at the very core, the seat, the center. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit that we might now have the power to obey him. And Christianity is different. Listen, God didn't... If all God wanted to do was tell us what to do, Jesus didn't need to come because the law did that. See, Jesus isn't coming, he didn't come to tell us what to do. He came so that he could live his life through us. And, church, that all happens, that only happens when we come to Jesus Christ. It only happens when we come to him. He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. And we cannot come to the Father except by Him. He is the only way. And the life that we're talking about, the life that produces the kind of fruit that would reflect that kingdom, can only come from Him. It can only come as we are born again. Jesus is the only way. The only way to what? The life. The life that we're talking about. But a lot of people come to church, and I, and I understand this, and I'm And people come to church because they're seeking and searching. How can I get my life together? What can I do? How how do I get my life together? Pastor, help. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to get my life together. Others come to church for whatever reason, but then they sit back and think, you know what? My life's not so out of order. My life's not so bad. My life's actually pretty good. I'm doing pretty good aside from the fact that you're prideful and arrogant and filled with independence, which is a sin as well. Look, we all need Jesus. What you need to do is come to Jesus. What you need today is to call upon Jesus. You've been brought here today, not because of my invitation, but God's drawing you so that you could hear what it is we're talking about. You need to come to Jesus. So if you're here trying to figure out how to get your life together, I'm so blessed that you're here. But let me just say, you know what? Stop worrying about your behavior right now. Stop worrying about what you do. Let's get you connected to Jesus. Let's get you connected to the one that can change you from the inside out. Amen. The one that can come bring a new heart, put a new root in there so that you can begin to produce new fruit. Not like religion wants to do and try to simply make behavior adjustments that only affect the outside and have no ability to transform our inside. Get connected to Jesus. You need, to have, you need to allow Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you of your iniquity. You need to let the blood of the Lamb wash and cleanse you and make you white as snow, removing the guilt, removing the condemnation, removing and transforming the sinful nature and doing a new work in you. You need to allow Jesus to come and bring that transformation in you because you can only, this can, only Jesus can deal with the issue of sin in your life. And church, that is what he came for. That is what he lived for. That is what he died for. That is why he overcame death, hell, and the grave. That is why he rose from the dead. So that he could bring you new life. So that he could forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of the guilt and the condemnation, the iniquity. And I want to encourage you today, receive from him a new heart. Receive a new heart that in you would begin to produce new life. Why? So that you can be a good tree producing good fruit. That's what he has for you. There's something being produced from all of our lives. And as I said earlier, where we're rooted will reflect by the fruit where, where our, our identity is. And Jesus tells us that when we are born again, when we are rooted in him, when we become a brand new tree, we are now rooted in his kingdom. And what happens is now the Holy Spirit or the fruit of his kingdom begins to be produced in our life. And in Galatians chapter 5, he tells us what those fruits are. He says this in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. Look, it's not the fruit of you, it's not the fruit of me, it's the fruit of his Spirit. It's not what you do, it's not what I do, it's what he does through you. It's the fruit of his Spirit. And the fruit of his Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Goodness, faithfulness. Thank. And he's telling us that if we'll allow him to make our roots new, he will begin to produce this fruit, this kingdom fruit, through us, even while we are still here in this kingdom. It's what the spirit produces. It's what the spirit does. These are the attributes. This is the fruit of his kingdom. And these are the attributes that he has. And these are the attributes that he's sharing with you and I. Attributes that will be reflected in those who have received a new heart. He's talking about new trees. He's talking about new roots. He's talking about how they begin to produce a new fruit. A fruit that you cannot produce without a new heart. I want to share a, a, just a little analogy with you or a little testimony with you that I think really makes the point of what we're talking about. There was a, a young lady who, who sent in a correspondence, a, a, one of the, the forums, an email, and in that she said this. She said, Pastor Mark, I've got a ministry to young ladies. And she said, my ministry comes out of the fact that I have lived a certain way in my life. She said, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, or whatever, I'd get dressed up, I'd go out, I'd get drunk, and I'd let guys destroy me. And then I'd go home and I would cry myself to sleep. And then I would do it again. And she said, This went on and on. I did it week after week, year after year, for I didn't even know how long. And then she said, I don't want to do that anymore. She said, I have a heart for girls that like to get dressed up and go out and get drunk and get abused. And so I tell my story. And it's amazing how when I tell my story, these girls, they come to me and they want me to pray for them. They want to hear my story. They want me to talk to them. They want me to help them. So she said, I need training. I need help. I, I need some biblical counseling. I don't know what to do. And I thought, man, that... That is one of the bravest things that I've ever heard. That is so amazing that this young lady would recognize what it is that she's recognizing. But what really blew me away was just the absolute, complete honesty that she was bearing about her life. There was no contention there. There was no hiding. There was, I mean, she was bearing the fruit and the root. I so said, what do you tell them? What do he tell these girls? She said, well, here's what I tell them. I tell them I love the Holy Spirit because he just changed me. He just changed me. Is there any better answer than that? He just changed me. She said, what I used to do, I don't want to do anymore. What I used to enjoy, I don't enjoy anymore. The trap that I was stuck in, God got me out. The enslavement that I was bound up in, God set me free. He redeemed me. She said, I'm a new person. I don't think the way I used to think. I don't act the way I used to act. And I know it's not me because I tried to change a thousand times. I know it's not me. I know it's God. I know it's the Holy Spirit that changed me. And she said, now all I do is tell people that the Holy Spirit changes people. Now, you know, you're reading something like that and, and it's like, wow, this sounds pretty mature. That, I not that mean sounds like somebody who's been around for a little while and walked through some stuff. And, and so the question was asked, well, you know, when did all this happen? How how long has this been going on? And she said, well, for about two months. Two months. That is amazing. Yes, it is. Only God. Only God can do something like that. Only God. Two months? That's unbelievable. This is a completely, totally, absolutely changed life. And that, church, that is what Jesus is talking about. So, what he's talking about. You know, I, I think, man, this, this, this young lady didn't come to church looking for Some religious way to, you know, five steps to learning how to, you know, duct tape oranges on my bad apple tree. But that is what so many people do want. Pastor, can you just show us, just share with us and show us how we can get, how we can put fake fruit on my tree so that it looks good. I don't really care about what's going on in here. That'll take too long. Just show me how to put this good fruit on there. Show me how to put oranges on my apple tree. You know what she did? She walked in completely and totally, humbled herself before God and said, not only do I have bad fruit, but I got a bad root. And I need something done. I need you, Jesus. And he laid all, she laid all that bad fruit, all that stuff before Jesus. And can't you just see God? I mean, if there's anything that brings a smile to God's face, it's gotta be that. Amen. Oh, daughter. Let me tell you, new tree. All the way down to the roots. We're changing it to the very core, the very center of who you are. New person, new life. Daughter you get to start over again. Hallelujah. What an amazing, amazing God. And that is our God. And that is what Jesus is talking about. Worship team, would you come back up? So I've been ending each of the sermons with some questions. Questions that I think we need to contend with. So the first question that I asked a few weeks back was in forgiveness. Who who do you need to forgive? I I had, again, a a guy after first service that, you know, struggled with that. And I know that God has a, a struggle for all of us. Who do you need to forgive? God's requiring it. What's he asking for you to give? And again, that's not talking finances, not excluding that, but what, what is it that you've been given? What has God given you? And again, if, if all you do is go to money in that question, you're, you're, you're off base. If that's all you think God has given you. The third question I asked you last week, what's the log in your eye? He's talking to us all about it what's the log in your eye? And the question I want to give you today, how's your life going? What kind of fruit are you reaping? It's a question that God's word asks us. Is the fruit that you're reaping, is it destruction, death, Brokenness, folly, foolishness, all words that the Bible uses. Is it independence, selfishness, self righteousness, pride, despair, lust, unforgiveness? Church, if that's the fruit that you're reaping, what you're doing, it's, it's an indication that you're still rooted in this kingdom. And what those fruits are is they're fruits from your life. Or are you reaping love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control because it's an indication that now you're rooted in his kingdom and you're seeing his fruit move through your life what are you reaping see i make this next statement and and I make it because it's biblical Matthew, read Matthew chapter 7 and you'll see what I'm talking about. Some of you come to church today and you're not Christians. And I'm not dogging on you at all. Please, man, I am so glad you're here. Every single one of you, no matter where you are in life, I am so glad you're here today. But some of you come to church and, and you're not Christians. And the Bible says that there's many who spent their days in church yet will stand before him one day and hear depart from me you what evil doer you know what he, he could have he said depart from me man your fruit is bad and he says I don't know you people some of you may be here today and you're religious you were raised in a religious home Some of you may come today and and you're spiritual people. You may come today and, you know, you're a moral person. But you've never come to Jesus. You've never given your heart to Him and let Him come and bring the transforming power that only He can bring into your life. Never let him bring you and give you a new heart and a new spirit that he would place within you. And if you're there today, you need to turn to Jesus in prayer. You need to cry out to Him and say, Jesus, give me a new heart. I can't change. I can't do anything about the fruit that's coming from my life. I can't stop it. I can't alter it. You need to change me before anything else can be changed in my life. Because, Lord, I need you to come into the essence, the sum, the very heart, the root of who I am. I need you, Lord God, to come and to transform me and pull up that old life. Pull up those old roots. Pull up those old ways. Pull up that old heart and plant me in you. That is a prayer that God will answer every time. But church, he answers. He hears. He does. And for some of you, this may... This may explain some of the things that you've been experiencing in your life. This right here, what we're talking about, may be the root of why you're seeing so many problems in your life. Listen, coming to Christ doesn't now, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm problem-free. It doesn't take away all the trials. It doesn't take away all the troubles. It doesn't take away all, of the, you know, the, all the suffering. It doesn't, doesn't mean that you've got a problem-free life. It just means that in the midst of it all, the fruit of God's Spirit is being produced, even through those trials and even through those difficult places. But I, listen, I believe this with all my heart. That it explains the problems of a lot of people's lives because there's a lot of people trying to live the Christian life without Christ. And, church, you can try and try and try, but you'll fail trying to manufacture fruit from a tree with bad roots. You can't manufacture that Christian fruit. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can do that. Listen, I'm gonna make this last statement and I'm pray for you. God is not looking for you to live a Christian life. God is looking to live his life through you. You pray with me. Lord, in the name of Jesus, oh God, I, I pray for those today who are being drawn to you. Those, Lord God, who are looking at the fruit of their lives, looking, Lord God, at the things that you're exposing, the things that you're revealing, and, and calling out, Lord, saying, God, I do, I need to change. And if God has spoken to your heart today, Ask him to come. Ask him to come and bring a new heart. Just tell him, God, I'm so sick and tired of trying to do this on my own and failing every time. It makes me feel like more and more of a failure. Every time I try to follow this Christian life, it just makes me feel like more and more of a failure. But I see, God, that the problem is not, is that I need you in me not just to be around me. Come bring my new heart. Bring me a new heart. Come on, just pray that prayer. It's between you and him, not me and you. You know, there's, there's a part of me that wants to say, hey, if that's you today, you know, lift up your hands. not about behavior. It's not. It's not about whether I can, you know, coax you into lifting up your hand. It's not about that. It's about you coming to Christ, giving Jesus your life, saying, God, take this old stony heart and give me a new heart, no matter where you are in life. Transform me. closed just between you and him I'm not going to try to coax you into doing something other than just praying and God I'm a sinner and I need a savior come into my life give me a new heart oh God I need you so badly I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and I, I want the fruit of your kingdom not the fruit of mine If you're praying that prayer today, and you really truly mean it in your heart. Then God's calling you to tell somebody, tell the person next to you, tell your wife, tell your husband, tell, tell come tell me. But the truth is, is that that's not a, a punishment. The truth is, is that if that's you in your heart right now, you're not going to be able to help but want to tell others like that young lady did, that God made me new. Holy Spirit came and just transformed my life. I am not the same. I have been transformed by the power of God. He did this work in me, and I can't help but want to tell somebody.
1: Voice, Jesus, oh, Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus
0: much and so uh, so many things desire to do in us and through us i love you listen church is not over church is about to begin so go be the church god bless you we love you if you need prayer for anything we'd like prayer tonight i would love to do that we would love to pray with you the altar is open we're going to sing through this again god bless you have a
1: beautiful day today Jesus, Jesus, you made the darkness tremble.